Let's open our Bibles, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Maybe some of our friends are at home and, and uh, able to watch the live stream. That's cool. <clears throat> Last week we talked about Jesus being the light of the world and that uh, he's home and he's given us light. And he's done so much for us, we're not in darkness anymore. He made his light shine in our hearts, God did, and, and we don't belong to the night. We don't belong to the darkness He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. It doesn't have that dominion, that hold over us, Colossians 1.13. He's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light, 1 Peter 2.9. So we're called to live as children of light, to be alert, to be self-controlled, letting our light shine, putting on the armor of light. One quote I want to uh, repeat, he says, We're not in the dark about the future or about how to live our lives here and now. Jesus is coming, not to judge us, but to rescue us from the wrath about to fall on our lost world. He's going to rescue us. He has rescued us and he's going to rescue us. So much about the faith, the things that he's already done, and so much more that he's going to do as well. For the, for the believer now, the the. The coming of Jesus is hope. It's our blessed hope. For the unbeliever, really, it's, it's, it's scary, really, is what it is. It's all about judgment. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. <clears throat> Today it says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. And therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. One more verse I want you to turn back to, chapter 1, a verse we looked at some time ago. But chapter 1, verse 10, we see he repeats this theme now in chapter 5. He says, to wait, 1 Thessalonians 1.10, to wait for his Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And, and again, we are uh, finite human beings. We, we uh, know some things and so many things we don't know. But we pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts by your word and encourage us, strengthen us, and give us uh, what we need, each one of us, in our own situation, our own lives, our own hearts, in Jesus' name. He repeats this theme twice. One, that we would be rescued from the coming wrath here, that we are not appointed to wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, you know, reading this passage, you know, it, it's sometimes difficult because you can't always pick the things you want to talk about, right? Um, the wrath of God is not my first choice of subjects. It's not my favorite subject to talk about, right? I would probably choose the love of God or I would choose, you know, that, that God is light, God is true, God is faithful, all these positive things, but the fact is that we've seen it twice now here. One thing I'm, I have to say this, so I'm not, I, I'm very, I'm very happy that, you know, we have different passages like God is love, right, in 1 John, and then he says God is light, 
I'm glad there's no passage that says God is wrath, right? I'm glad about that. But, but it doesn't mean that, that there's something about this idea of the wrath. It's in the Bible, repeatedly, twice here in this book. So we have to at least look at it and think about it. What is it and what, what is it that we're talking about here? But I, 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 I want to say this. We don't want to forget the point. The main point is that we are rescued from the coming wrath. That's the main point, and, and the, 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 the incredible thing about this is that we are rescued by God himself. See, let me, let me quote this statement, is that God provides what his holiness requires. God provides what his holiness requires. Someone else said this, the wrath of God is as pure as the holiness of God, and really they, they really are uh, related the holiness of God, who He is. See, part of, part of when, we, when we get to know who God is, we got to know who He is. What, what is He all about? We can focus on just one part of who He is, but, but this idea of the holiness of God, that He is incredibly holy and pure. One dictionary said this, the wrath of God was viewed in fear and awe, yet God provided a way to gain divine favor. Repentance turns God's wrath away from the sinner. God himself provided the way. Now the wrath that we're talking about here, fortunately, is not like human wrath based on feelings, based on perceptions, but it's based on truth. Because God is the God of truth. God is the God of just justice. And, and this idea of wrath, this idea of of judgment, really, it's, it's, it's against sin, it's against rebellion, it's, it's against re- rejection of truth. That's really what it's all about. You say, well, I don't want to hear about that, I, want, I don't want to talk about that. Well, then we, you know, then we could be like others have done, and they just start cutting up the Bible and keeping the parts they like and, and you know, getting rid of the parts they don't like. My my, uh, I think the key word for me in this passage is, is rescued, the fact that we're rescued from the coming wrath. And, and I think for us to know what, res- what rescue is, we have to know what we're rescued from. It's no big deal if you're rescued from, you know, a mouse running around your kitchen. How many of you have had that recently? They, they don't like the cold. I don't know why. They just they come in and they do their thing. But to know what we're rescued from. How many of you remember that show uh, used to be on TV a lot, Rescue 911? It was, it was hosted by Captain Kirk. Remember that? Anybody remember that? Every week they'd have this, you know, amazing rescue of somebody in the just about to be destroyed or up on the top of their house and they're going to be rescued by this helicopter and, and all this stuff happens. It's way worse than that. It's way, way worse than that, what we're rescued from, I have to say. Let's turn back a few books to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. And, and if you, you can keep your bulletin in the book of Romans because we'll turn back there a few, two or three times. But <clears throat> Romans chapter 2 and verse 5. Just before this, I have to point this out though. In verse 4, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? His kindness leads us towards repentance. 
Verse 5, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. That's key words there, his righteous judgment. And God will give to each person according to what he has done to those who by persistence in doing good and seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are seeking self-seeking, who reject the truth and follow evil, evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being. This idea that the wrath is coming, but it really, we see here that God's kindness would, would be what leads us to repentance. But our stubbornness and our unrepentant heart is storing up wrath against ourselves for that day of judgment, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. There is a day coming. There, there are many different types of judgment in the Bible, but, but for the, the all in all, the very final judgment, the great white throne judgment, where, where, where we all need to stand before Him, and he will, he will make His judgment. For the believer, though, we have, we have someone standing in for us, and that's Jesus. He takes the judgment for us. Now, for the, for the human race, and this is just, this is just uh, Bible 101, the human race, our default mode is that we are, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, he says we are by nature objects of wrath. We are by nature objects of wrath, meaning that's, that's our default mode. We're all sinners, the Bible teaches Every one of us, we're all sinners. But, but God sent His Son, Jesus. That's what it says back in 1 Thessalonians. Turn back there with me to verse 9. We read it already, but it says, God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation didn't appoint us to wrath, but our salvation, we, we receive it. It's a gift. It's something that He gave to us. It's free. It's not earned. It's rescue, it's salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ for all who have believed and, and for all who have received. That's what he says in, in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is what? Death. Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. What we are rescued from is death. What we're rescued from is judgment. What we're rescued from is separation. What we are rescued from is hell, eternal separation from God. So we, we need to know where, what we're rescued from, and, and sometimes we just take it so lightly, oh, yeah, I'm saved. But if we really thought about what we're saved from, we're going to, man, I'm saved. God saved me. God rescued me from a fate that, that was as certain as day rescued from the judgment that we deserve. We deserve judgment. We deserve separation. We deserve hell. But, but you see, God loved the world so much that He sent His one and only Son. Saved. Romans chapter 5, it says this, we, we, Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through Him, that is, through Jesus we're saved from God's wrath. We don't have to worry. That, that's what Paul said here twice in the book of 1 Thessalonians and, and many uh, times in many different ways in the book of Romans. We're saved 
from God's wrath through Him, through Jesus. Look at verse 10 there. It says that He died for us. He died for us. And you say, well, that's just, uh, that's obvious. That's the simple gospel. But I think we, we need to understand that He died for us. In other words, He died in my place. He died for me. He took that wrath and that judgment that I should have taken. God provided through His Son what His holiness required, you see. you got to think about this for a minute, that what God's wrath, what God's judgment, what His justice and, 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 and those things of His nature required, He Himself provided the answer and the way. When you think about that day when Jesus was on the cross, right, in Matthew and, and other Gospels, but... In Matthew, it says that from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. It was dark. Talk about darkness. It was really dark. But about, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? At that moment in time, he was quoting really Psalm 22, but at that moment in time, the judgment that you and I should receive was falling on Jesus. That judgment, that just judgment was falling on Him. God provided again through His Son what His holiness required. That doesn't happen often. He said in 1 Thessalonians that, that you know, He's rescuing us from the coming wrath. The wrath that is to come. Jesus speaking to the, uh, those religious people there. <clears throat> he said to them, excuse me, it was John the Baptist speaking to the crowds. And he, he said to those that were coming out to be, baptism, uh, to be baptized by him, he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. They were saying, you know, we're, we're all set because we're sons of Abraham. We're, we're good. But, but he said, listen, who warned you? There's, there is wrath that's coming. You need to be ready for it, but, but not the way you think. You, t you do need to repent. You need to turn back to God and, and let, it, let it be proved in your life. But I want you to look with me again. Let's turn back to Romans chapter 1 now about this idea that that. It's already being re revealed. It, it, he says it's coming. But here in Romans chapter 1, it says it's already being revealed. Look in verse 18. Now, you really need to read this whole chapter, but, but we're just going to read a few verses out of it. But look at verse 18. It says, The wrath of God is being revealed, is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. The wrath of God, he says, it's being revealed. It's already coming out. It's already being revealed. That's an interesting thought. You say, well, how is that? I'm not seeing that. When you read the rest of the passage, though, you see that it says that God gave them over to what they were involved in. God, like, just let them do what they're doing. And, and someone said this, that God 
allows sin to run its course as an act of judgment. His abandonment of the wicked to their sins. God allows sin to run its course as an act of judgment. That's kind of interesting to think about. You look at, if you read this passage, you can say, well, this is like America. This is like who we are. This is like where we're heading. And it's, it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. And, and sometimes I wonder what is, you know, where, where is where is God in the middle of all this? But here it says He is in the middle of it already. He's turning us over. Letting, this, that, that's where you want to go? Go ahead and go that way. Abandoning us, allowing sin to run its course as an act of judgment. In some ways, we look around and we say, we're, we're, we're getting pretty close to being like Sodom and Gomorrah. And you say, oh, that's kind of a harsh pronouncement. No, not really. So, the wrath of God is already being revealed from heaven, but, but it's also coming. In Colossians, it says, Put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, he said, the wrath of God is coming. Because of these things, it's coming. The day of the Lord. Someone wrote, A future day of final judgment at the end time when all will be called to give account to God. We've already talked about that. It's been prophesied in the Old Testament repeatedly. One example in, in Zechariah, it says that, that he says that, that before the fierce anger of the Lord comes upon you, before the day of the Lord's wrath comes upon you, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land, you who do what He commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility, and perhaps you will be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. I think we will. I think it's a promise that we turn to the Lord. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. saved. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Seek the Lord while we can. Seek Him while He's near. This is the, this is the message of the gospel that, that we need salvation. I mean, most of the people around you have, have no idea what do, what do I need Jesus for? I don't need to be saved. Saved from what? Well, the Bible makes it clear there's, there's a day coming when we're, we're all going to stand before Him. There's a day coming. It's a scary day. I, I don't even like to think about it, but, but it's true. It's what the Bible talks about. The great tribulation coming. You read the book of Revelation, you find over and over it talks about the day of God's wrath. And I, I don't even like to think about it, but it's there. It's over and over again. Chapter 6. They called to the mountain and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come and who can stand? They called, they want the mountain rocks to fall on them and so bad. Chapter 14 talks about the cup of his wrath which has been poured full strength. God's, the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into, into the cup of His wrath. Chapter 15, again, the seven last plagues He talks about. He says last, because with them God's wrath is completed. And then later in chapter 15, He talks about the seven golden bowls that are filled with the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. This is like scary, horrible stuff. 
But again, the point of what we're, we're studying in 1 Thessalonians, we've been rescued from the coming wrath. We've been rescued. Let's turn back there, 1 Thessalonians, or you're already there, aren't you? Let's read those verses again. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. We've been rescued. We've been saved through Jesus, through His death for us. We're not appointed to, to wrath. We are rescued from the wrath to live together with Him forever. Now, looking at this in my uh, my estimation is that the context here is the rapture, as we have, have previously discussed this in chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. We talk about it, which I believe is before the great tribulation, looking at these different verses here, which is God's wrath being poured out, that we would be caught up with Him. That's hope. That's the hope of the gospel. Let's look at verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. Therefore, encourage one another. We've been rescued. We have hope. We have the future with Him, to live with Him forever and ever. That's what he said at the end of chapter 18. Look back in verse eight, uh, chapter 4, verse 18, excuse me. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. But God's got a plan for us. He's got a future for us. That Jesus took the wrath that you and I should have taken. That's radical. That's radical, folks. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. We've we got a responsibility to each other to encourage one another doesn't mean life is easy. Life is tough. Life is hard sometimes, but, but to encourage one another. And this, this word someone pointed out is these words are in the present tense, meaning it's ongoing. It's a continual thing. We need to keep encouraging one another. I want you to turn with me head to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3, and that's just before the book of James. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 He says, but encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Encourage one another, how often? Daily. Daily. But, but we only see each other once a week or maybe twice a week. Well, I mean... It, this speaks to me a little bit about the fact that, you know, we need to make friends, have relationships, and care for one another, encourage one another, and because, you know, we're, we are living in a dark world. We are living in a situation that doesn't look good. We are living in a, in a, in a uh, society that is just going further and further away from the truth, further and further away from God's perfect life and plan. Encourage one another daily. That's the times, I think, when we need to think about, you know, you get someone comes to your mind and, and, uh, and you maybe need to give them a phone call and say, hey, 
just wanted to call and say hi, encourage you. Um, I got a text from, <clears throat> you remember Fidel, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Y'all remember Fidel? And uh, I got a text from him, and he said, you know, I've just been thinking about you, and I, are you okay? You know, well, first of all, it was, it was kind of nice that he actually contacted me. You know, I mean, he's a busy guy, and, you know, I'm just, I'm really nobody. And, you know, he's part of a church with, you know, 25,000 people. I mean, like, this is, like, so who am I, really? But he sent me this text, right? So I said, well, I had to think about it. Well, what am I going to tell him? Okay, do I tell him? The, the standard answer is what? Fine, I'm okay. Thanks for asking, fine. But um, I, I didn't actually text him right back. Um, I waited till the next day because I, I wanted to be honest because I thought he was being honest too. So I had to think about it. I said, well, you know, I've been having kind of a hard week or two, you know, and, and maybe just the warfare, spiritual warfare, maybe just being down, maybe just the stuff of life and, and uh, you know, a lot of little different things that are kind of pressing in on me and, you know, I lost my brother, or, you know, lost our pastor friend from the Cape and, and, and then a bunch of other smaller things. So I just I texted him back, said, you know, just told him a little bit and, and uh, told him about the snow we're having, sent him a picture, and he says, I hate the snow. I, he says, way too cold for me. I mean, he lives in South Florida. And, uh, but, so I thought, okay, that's cool. But then he called me up, like a few hours later, and said, listen, I'm, I'm a little concerned about your text, and like, like, are you okay, and like, what's going on? And, and so we spent a few minutes just talking, and you know what, I just thought, Wow. You know, I, I was just encouraged, not by, by anything he said, really. I mean, he did say some good things, and I'm, you know, they're, you know, encouraging words, but just encouraged by the fact that he would actually take a few minutes. He didn't, you know, we didn't talk for an hour or anything. It was just a couple minutes to call. See what I'm saying? Encourage one another daily, he says here, as long as it's called today. Sometimes you think, well, I'll call someone, I'll call them tomorrow, right? How many of you say that? I'll call tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to them tomorrow. I'm really kind of busy now. I'm right in the middle of this TV program. <laughs> Don't laugh because it's true. Actually, you can laugh because you know it's true. Well, I, you know, I got to see what happens in this TV program before I can call so-and-so. And then you watch the program and then it's too late. Well, I can't call them now. It's too late now. I'm going to call. I'll call tomorrow. But tomorrow's got its own TV programs. You know, you know, I have a TV set, you know, but, you know, isn't it true? It's true. These things control our lives. They, they take our time away. And then if you watch PBS, like, they don't even have commercials. Like, you can't even, you know, go do it during the commercial because of no commercial. Like, whoa. Encourage one another daily. Say, well, um, Rich, you're, you're, you're talking about the wrath of God. I'm not really being very encouraged today. Well, I want to encourage you that if you belong to Jesus Christ, you are rescued from the wrath of God. You don't have anything to fear. You don't have anything to worry about because Jesus took it for you and for me. How about chapter 10? He, he, he repeats it again in chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. 
Sometimes people use these verses, and this verse here especially, kind of like to guilt you into doing different things. But it's God's word, right? Uh, let's start in verse 24, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day, day approaching. As you look around and you see, man, it's getting worse. It's getting really scary and dark. To encourage one another, man, we, we, we've got a future. We've got a hope. We've got something ahead of us that is really, really good. So just hold on. Just hold on. And don't get so uh, caught up in the world. Be careful. Let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching because of Jesus. It always gets back to him, isn't it? Doesn't it? It's always because of Jesus. We will not face the wrath of God. He took it for us. He's returning. And heaven is our home. And Jesus will take us there. And the future is bright despite the darkness around I want to close with a, a, a story that I read. I don't think it's true, but <clears throat> could have been. So there was once a chief of a man, uh, excuse me, a chief of a great island tribe in the South Pacific, and the, the chief was a just and honest man, always looking to better the lives of his people. And one day a member of his tribe came to the chief complaining that someone had stolen some of his tools and food. This outraged the chief. This had never happened before in his village. And his people had enjoyed such prosperity that no one in the tribe was needy. There was no excuse. He demanded that the culprit make himself known. And the chief made a declaration that if anyone was caught stealing in his village, they would be tied to a tree in the center of the village and whipped 100 times by the village's mightiest warrior. It would be a terrible fate for anyone. His punishment was so severe that it could be fatal to some. A few days later, some angry villagers came to the chief's home with the lawbreaker. They had caught the thief in the act. But to the shock of the chief and everyone else in the tribe, the criminal was the chief's own elderly mother. Her head fell in shame when her son asked her if it was true. Her silence confirmed the truth. His frail mother, though, wouldn't survive this harsh punishment. The next day, he told them to come back the next day. Everyone gathered in the village, the center of the village, to see what the chief would do. The chief's somber arrival made it plain to all that he was deeply grieved by the passing events of the last several days. The law needed to be fulfilled. The chief, in a loud, ominous voice, directed some warriors to bind his mother to the tree in the center of the village and to wait his command before proceeding with the punishment. When the warriors had finished securing the chief's mother and the one to deliver the punishment was in place, a thick silence fell on the crowd. Everyone waited for the chief's command to begin the whipping, and then something happened that astonished everyone. The great chief stepped down from his place of honor, removed his cloak, walked to his mother, and wrapped 
his muscular frame around his mother's body and ordered the warrior to commence with the punishment. In this way, he saved his mother and fulfilled the law. In an even greater sacrifice, the Lord Jesus took, took the full brunt of the wrath of God and suffered for our sins on the cross and fulfilled the law. That's what happened, just like that, but way bigger and way better. Let's pray.